Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Arsenal Agenda series. Joining you Monday to Friday at 10am UK time and joined this morning by Umay. How do you mate? You good? You well? Yeah, I'm not bad, TC. Hope you're well. Yeah, making it through the international break, mate. It's uh, it's a chat. It's only Thursday. That's. <laughs> I feel like it's been forever since that Man United game, you know, and I'm happy to live off that game, but... Uh, yeah, it can only do so much to stave off the uh, the frustration that comes with there being no Arsenal this weekend and uh, everything that surrounds it. It is technically deadline day for an, a number of nations as well today. Yeah. Saudi Arabia have to complete their uh, business today. Um, are you worried about any last-minute exits? Um, no, to, to be honest. And it makes a change because this time last week I was sat here saying to you, I think a most throw might depart. I'm worried about oh. Gabriel, but it's funny how things change in football. Um, so, now I don't expect a big departure. Um, Nicolas Pepe, obviously, he's one to watch. There's been links um, with a few clubs in Saudi Arabia. Obviously, there's links with a few clubs in Turkey in the past few days. So, hopefully, that that can materialise for both Pepe's sake and Arsenal's sake. But, no, I don't expect any big departures. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I'm not. We're not expecting to see any uh, major kind of issues for Arsenal transfer-wise. There is expectations that there might be a, an exit uh, of Nicolas Pepe before the windows close. There's a couple of Turkish sides interested, Trabzonspor and Besiktas, both in negotiations supposedly with Arsenal over a, a move for the player. It could see Arsenal gain well, around £10 million of a £2 million fee and then obviously the rest in wages that Arsenal would save over the course of this season because he's on a, a staggeringly high wage, around £140,000 per week. And I think that's probably been, Numa, the biggest stumbling blocking moving him on is that there's seemingly a reluctance to to see that wage drop from a, you know from playing at a club like Arsenal. Yeah, definitely. I think um, at the end of the day, he's, he's in a comfortable position. I think he knows that he's going to buy this time. He's going to wait for the right move if that does come and he's not going to make a decision which um, in all essence really affects his long-term future. Uh, obviously, you've just spoken about the fact that he, he's on about £140,000 a week. We bought him for £72 million, a uh, hefty amount of money. So I'm still hoping and I'm still positive that Arsenal and Nicolas Pepe will, will find an agreement um, and he will depart, but it's, 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 it's similar to Rob Holding, it's similar to a few of these players, Cedric, etc. There's Arsenal fans complaining um, last week that oh, why have Arsenal got £1 million for Rob Holding, etc. But you also need to take into the fact that he's on hefty wages as well. I'm not sure how much. Do you know, TC, how much Rob Holding was on? Probably I think 50, we're talking 60, about yeah. tens of thousands, you know, 50, 60 maybe? Still a lot though. It's still a yeah. lot for a player that is not first choice at the club. It's not even a reserve choice. He's probably fourth, fifth choice at best. So I was just happy that he was out of the door. Obviously, no disrespect to Rob Holding, but £1 million will take that any day of the week um, because then if he was to stay, you know how Arsenal fans okay, are. Apparently. You know how Arsenal fans are. They're going to be like, why is he staying? Mm -hmm. What's he done, etc. So you can't have it both ways. 
No, you can't. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, Arsenal have been able to get players out eventually. It sadly did stop Arsenal from doing business uh, toward the end of the window because we were focused heavily on trying to move players out and the spaces in the squad. And maybe January would be when Arsenal moved for a player. But we did see some reports suggesting that Arsenal did make some inquiries about players. One player in particular was Pedro Neto, John Percy of The Telegraph reporting this story. Is Neto a player that you'd like to see at Arsenal one day? I like him. I, I, I like Neto a lot. I think the only worry I had with Neto was his injuries that he sustained over the past few seasons. Obviously, he suffered that big knee injury. And you're always worried when a player suffers a knee injury, whether he still has that explosiveness to his game. You've seen in the past, like Sophia Walker, Hector Bellerin, etc. Um, after they picked up that knee injury, they came back and they were not the most electric compared to how they were before. And I think Neto, he, he's, a, he's a very good player, very versatile, someone that I can think can come in and be comfortable in either flank, uh, right or left. Um, and I saw him at the start of this season for Wolves against Manchester United. I think it was, I think it was the first game um, away from home. And he looked very, very good. He looked very, very good. Um, I think Wolves in the second game against Brighton, it was a poor performance overall. But he's made a decent start to the season. Pedro Neto. I think he's one of Wolves' better players. Um, again, Portugal um, international, and obviously he's he's not in the main team as of yet. But obviously he's in and around that. Um, obviously, I think he went. Did he go to the Under Twenty One Championships? Uh, I'm not sure. So he's still, uh, yeah. I'm having a quick look now. He has been in the senior side before when he was in some really good form, but prior to his injury, he's got three senior caps. Um, you know, but for the yeah, I'm just looking at internationals. It doesn't look like I don't think he went to the under 21s. He did, no. Yeah, um, so obviously he was coming back from injury. I think probably Wolves were a bit careful with his uh, recovery. They probably didn't want to risk him. Probably wanted him to have a good preseason. But look, he's a good player. He's a very good player. He yeah, fits what he did, I, he did for go. the under 21 championship. He did go. Yeah. Okay. He did. Yeah. Go he played then. against England and lost one nil. Uh, played the full. Started every single game. Actually, got an assist against the Netherlands. You know, 1-1 draw. Um, but yeah, did play every game. Yeah, so he's, he, he's a good player. He's a very, very good player. Um, and I think Arteta has always liked Neto. Um, obviously, a few seasons ago, there was talks that Arsenal were, were pushing for him quite heavily. But then obviously those links um, died down. But if you're talking about someone that can potentially compete, with Bukaya Saka, I think you're looking at Pedro Neto and you, you made the point, I think, go back to a year or so ago. I don't know, you're probably thinking, like, how's this guy got such a good memory? But you made the point about Diego Jota uh, when Liverpool bought him. And that's the type of signing which is clever. Someone that is is not at the peak of his game, but is slowly getting to that peak, if that makes sense. And I think you look at Pedro Neto, and he's a good player, very good player. But I still think there's more to come from him in the future years. And that's the type of signing that I think Arsenal should be looking to make in, in future windows. Because you go back to Diego Jota, they brought him from Wolves. Again, someone that can come in straight away, playing so many positions. But he'd add a lot of strength to Liverpool's attacking uh, front three, front four, whatever. And I think Pedro Neto would do the same. But... Again, it's always about the price being touted. The Wolves, obviously, they've sold some big players in, in, in the window already. And 
maybe come January, they probably won't be in a position to sell Pedro Neto because he's probably one of the key hopes to staying up. Oh, he absolutely is. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and uh, he's going to cost a lot of money probably forever tries to take him. Whether Arsenal move for him in January remains to be seen, but they could be fending off interest from other clubs as well in January because reports from Spain suggest that Barcelona are interested in signing Jorginho, um, mm. who was linked with moves to Turkey toward the end of the yeah. window. hasn't you know hasn't materialised to anything. Arteta loves Jorginho. You know he's been after the guy for a long, long time. I'd be very surprised if Arsenal allowed Jorginho to leave because I don't see Arsenal really bringing in a centre mid in January. And of course, the African Cup of Nations, depending on whether or not Partey's involved, because Ghana play tonight. If they're beaten by the Central African Republic, which they could do because they're only a point behind them, I think, in their group. And Angola beat Madagascar, which I think are expected certainly to happen. And Angola are likely to top the group. Um, it could it could lead to Partey remaining with Arsenal, despite the outcome going on, because Ghana wouldn't have qualified. So, um, But he could still yet go, and therefore Jorginho would be very useful. And obviously he's useful right now, because Partey is not fit and he's out injured. So what do you make of this, Link? Yeah, I think, like you just touched on it, Miklatea, Arsenal... They won't be sanctioning a sale for Jorginho in January because for me, when, when we brought him from Chelsea, there was a lot of scepticism. There was a lot of uncertainty. Like, obviously, in the past, we bought players from Chelsea and it's not worked out the way that we had hoped, William, etc. But Jorginho, for me, in the back end of last season, I thought he was one of Arsenal's better players, to be honest. You go back to that performance at St. James's Park, Newcastle United. 2-0 victory, I think it was. Fantastic performance. Fantastic performance. And I think what what will be key for Jorginho for Arsenal in this um, campaign, I think he suits Champions League football as well. You saw him when he was playing at Chelsea uh, in the Champions League when they won that uh, competition uh, a few seasons ago. He was integral to that because I think in the Champions League, it's a bit... It's a bit more tactical, you could say. You play different teams in and around Europe, different styles, different variations. And at times, you need players like Jorginho who can just calm the tempo down and just basically play passes. It's not at a ferocious pace like the Premier League. Obviously, there's going to be games where, say, for example, PSG come up against Manchester City or Real Madrid come up against Manchester City. Those games are going to be at a high level, intensity-wise. But I think Jorginho, he's crucial to Arsenal's um, hopes of doing something this season. And that's not me sitting here saying that he has to play week in, week out. No, but we need options. We need options. Partey, he's probably out for six, seven weeks. That, that's a long time. Mohamed Oneni, mm. I know he's in the pecking order, but Mohamed Oneni is the last resort if everything goes wrong. And he's there because, obviously... Um, I'm happy that he signed a new one-year contract. I think it's good for the leadership group. Shaka's departed. Oneni's good to have him around the dressing room. And obviously, he wants to do his coaching badges. So that's going to be good for him as well. But Jorginho is a good head. Like, wise head, calm, intelligent. And the players love him. The players love having him around. He's He's got that infectious personality. And he's a leader. He's a leader. You talk about losing experience with Granite Shaka, Rob Holding as well. You have to include him in that because he's been at Arsenal for a long time. So there's few players that have departed the club this summer and we've lost a bit of experience. So for me, it would be ridiculous if Jorginho was to go, but it won't happen. Uh, I could sit here and say that. 
Yeah, I spoke to him after the game uh, at, at that Newcastle fixture uh, last season, and he is just such an infectious character in terms of kind of like how he speaks, what he talks about. And his performance that day was excellent. I think, you know, he's been a real asset for Arteta already this season because he's come off the bench in the game at Crystal Palace and just added a bit of control to things. We brought him on again against Man United when we took that one goal lead uh, with the the Declan Rice goal and obviously was was composed and calm whenever in possession. So he keeps it simple. Simple is good, yeah. isn't it? And you need players that do that. You need mm. players to, to be in the team. Um he obviously isn't going to win any awards individually, unlike potentially some of our other stars, though, who have been nominated for the Ballon d'Or, uh, which is fantastic. We'll start with the player that's been nominated not for the Ballon d'Or, but instead for the Yashin uh, Trophy. Mm. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale is the youngest goalkeeper involved in that nomination. Has he got any chances, do you think? <laughs> no, I don't think he's got a chance of winning it because he's up against some fantastic goalkeepers. But forget mm. about... I have a horrible feeling that Emmy Martinez is going to win this because of the World Cup. World Cup, yeah, exactly. But I think, forget about the awards, forget about winning it. I think it's a testament to Aaron Ramsdale in the fact that he's been nominated for this award. And I think fans, Arsenal fans included, need to start respecting Aaron Ramsdale a bit more. And I know we brought in a new goalkeeper in terms of David Raya top goalkeeper again I've, I've wanted that competition for Aaron Ramsdale because I think it's going to improve him um, for the upcoming years and I just I just think this is going to do a lot for Aaron Ramsdale's confidence this awards I think he in, in against Manchester United he seemed a bit I don't know what the right word is but he seemed a bit nervy you go back to last season the passes that he was playing off they were coming off like without no hesitation but now when I look at him he's thinking a bit more he's he's delaying his passes um and forget about the shot stopping I think I've not really seen any mistakes you can probably be a bit harsh you could probably say the mis- mistake against Fulham probably he could do a bit better but again it's, it's a shot from Pereira that is um Quite lucky, it would be a nice, but he makes a great save towards the end of the game from Traore. On another day, we we let that go in and we don't come away from the game with anything. So it's a testament for Aaron Ramsdale's progression as a goalkeeper. And look how far he's come. Look how far he has come. Because when we brought this guy um, two seasons ago, I think it was, the amount of abuse that he was getting on social media or why, why are we signing Aaron Ramsdale for this amount of money? This is a guy that loves relegation, etc. Is he going to better Arsenal? Is he, is he good enough to be Arsenal's number one goalkeeper? And in the two years that he's been here, he has proved that he's good enough to be Arsenal's number one goalkeeper. And it's a testament, the fact that he's up for this award um, with the likes of fantastic goalkeepers, Onana, Emi Martinez, Courtois, Top top goalkeepers. Yeah. So how that's yeah. going to do great for his confidence, isn't it? What's your take on it? Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I think there's been so much talk about the idea that David Raya is going to come in and replace him, and that it, whether Raya should play against Everton, and that we forget actually, you know, how good Ramsdale is. You know, and Raya's a really important signing, and I think you know there's potential for him certainly to one day maybe overtake um, Ramsdale in that goalkeeping position. Sure, but right now Ramsdale is doing a good job. 
um, and continue and will continue to do so. And I have no doubts about that. Uh, Arsenal had four nominees for the Ballon d'Or: two for the men's, two for the women's. Katie McCabe and Amanda Arstedt uh, of Jonas Idevall's side got nominations. It's a fantastic thing to see a brand new signing like Arstedt uh, get a, a nomination. It kind of gives you an indication of the level of player that Arsenal have yeah. have brought in uh, to the team with Leah Williamson. You know, being injured now for so long, mm. we needed to bring in a quality defender and. Uh, and Alstett certainly is that. Um, she had a really good World Cup as well with, with Sweden. But Bukai Sacco and Martin Odegaard on the men's side have been nominated. Again, any expectations that we could see a winner? Oh, no. Um, I think it's probably going to be between Erling Haaland and Lionel Messi um, if, if we're being serious. But again, forget about the awards. In a few years' time, if they continue performing the way they are, they're going to be in and around this penalty competition again. For next season, mm. season after, because what we're looking at with these two players is year on year they are improving, they are getting better, they're adding more to their game, goals, assists, um, different contributions, and they look like they get into a stage where they're looking like complete players in a way. Look at Martin Odegaard. I still see talk that people uh, on social media speak about the fact that he's not a big game player. And sometimes I get confused by it. I'm thinking, this is a guy who turns up in the biggest of games. He scores against the biggest of teams. And I just I just can't wait for him to basically be in an environment playing in the Champions League against Europe's elite. Same with Bukaya Saka. They belong on this stage. And I think they are so deserving to be nominated for this award, um, especially when you have the likes of Marcus Rashford, etc., not being nominated. For this award, and you always hear the fact that Rashford is better than Saka, etc. But it's it's great, it's great. When have we when have we been in a position <clears throat> as Arsenal fans that we've had so many nominations from the men's side, from the uh, women's side, and we can sit here and say our football club is back? They they they're being nominated with the best players in Europe. It's been a long time, hasn't it, TC? I can't even remember the last time we had the player nominated for the Ballon d'Or. I think maybe was nominated. Um, Who, sorry? Ozil, I think, was Ozil. Alexis. It's a long time, um, though. Yeah, no, I know you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like, and in my opinion, I think William Saliba's hard done by yeah. um, not getting a nomination. I think um, that, you know, Declan Rice will be up there, I think, now. I think if he was playing for Arsenal, he might. I think there is something to be said about the club that you play for, True. you know, and nominations for sure. Like, um, so, yeah, interesting that Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't given a nomination. Interesting that Rashford wasn't given a nomination. Um, There's someone else I can't remember. Someone else, I don't know what yeah, team. I can't think of the other high-profile player. Is Neymar? I don't think Neymar's been nominated. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'm sure there's others. But uh, who's your winner for the tournament, uh, for the competition? Uh, Messi. Really? Yeah. Best player I've ever seen. And he's, he's won yeah, but that's it's just for the last year. <laughs> he's won the, the World Cup. Well, the World Cup. He, he won. He won Argentina the World Cup. And I know Erling Haaland had a fantastic season, treble winners, etc. Mm. And what he's done in the past season has been out of this world. But Messi leading his nation to a World Cup after how many years? Uh, yeah. Especially after the first loss that they experienced against Saudi Arabia. Um, no one expected that they would go so far into the competition. So you have to applaud it. So I'm going to go with uh, Messi. Going with Rodri as mine. Um, That's a good pick. 
Yeah, I think Rodri has been the best midfielder on the planet in the last year. Um, Treble winner as well. Uh, And yes, internationally, didn't necessarily um, do the same what you would expect, you know. But, uh, you know, what he's accomplished. uh, I don't particularly, I'm not the biggest fan of him as kind of a person, but, you know, from just purely an an unbiased footballing perspective. He's top, he's fantastic. He's the best defensive midfielder in the world and he's probably been the best midfielder in the world over the last year. So, yeah, for me, it would be Rodri um, as my pick. But I think it'll be probably between him, Haaland and and Messi for the award. Um, Which I think, again, is a testament to to Lionel Messi at that age, what he's producing and he's Mm. getting into that conversation. I'm trying to think if Ronaldo at the same age was still in the conversation or not. I can't. I think if he was in the top three of those talking about it, you know, he's not been nominated this season. So it'd be interesting to see if in a couple of years' time, if Messi's still being nominated despite playing in MLS. Um, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. Uh, but thanks to everyone that's listened. Umar, thank you for your time, mate, this morning. Much appreciated, mate. And yeah, good to be back. Absolutely. Uh, thank you to everyone that's been tuning in and listening. Drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, will be back, of course, tomorrow. I won't be, but uh, Umar and others will, I'm sure, with content throughout the course of the international break. Keep following all of our written work over at football.london. You can find it all over there. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you again very soon. Have a great day. And, as always, keep following us down at the Arsenal way. Oh,